In this episode of the Living for Truth podcast, we resume our reading of Christianity Through the Centuries, A History of the Christian Church by Earl E. Carnes. We resume our reading in chapter 41. Evangelical Unity in Diversity Former stereotypes of evangelicals as fighting fundies, snake handlers, and bibliolators have been replaced by a growing understanding of the numerical strength, generous giving, missionary vision, and influence of evangelicals. George Gallup, Jr. declared in 1976 the year of the evangelical after his poll taken in August 1976 revealed that 34% of all Americans class themselves as evangelicals and profess to have had a born-again experience. Growth has slowed down in the 90s in the United States, but in 1992, in a 1992 poll by George Barna, suggests that 40% of all Americans still claim a new birth and hold to Christ's atonement, resurrection, and future return to earth. In the meantime, liberal mainline churches and organizations have been declining in numbers, giving, and missionaries all over the world. But the rate of decline has slowed in the 90s. Roman numeral 1. Historical Development of Evangelicalism Heading A. Roots of Evangelicalism We need to go back to the Reformation for antecedents of evangelicalism from 1517 to 1865. Until 1865, Protestants in Europe and North America clung to the basic ideas of the Reformation creeds. Evangelicalism emerged in Puritan 17th century England and was strengthened by the Great and the Second Awakenings in England and North America. The Bible was considered to be fully inspired and an infallible rule of faith in life. The deity of Christ, his virgin birth, and his second coming were taught. Churches held these basic ideas even though they differed on church organization, baptism, the Lord's Supper, the role of the Holy Spirit, or the relation of the church to the state. Heading B. The Rise of Liberalism in the Mid-19th Century The period from 1865 to 1880 was marked by the rise of liberalism in German and British seminaries and universities. Liberalism spread to North America through students studying in German and British Isles. Darwin's Origin of, Origin of the Species, 1859, set aside special creation with fixity of kind or families in favor of evolution as the mode for creation. New species, he said, developed by natural selection or survival of the fittest. The Descent of Man, 1871, he asserted human development from simple forms of ape-like creatures and finally to man. Evolution unified continuity of all life from preceding forms. This view was in conflict with the biblical concept of special creation by God. The German idealist philosophy of Kant, Hegel, and Schleiermacher was also a problem. Kant based religion on man's innate moral nature, which would show man what he ought to do. Immortality and a soul were necessary to reward good and punish evil deeds. His view of religion as transcendent and the Bible as merely historical supported biblical criticism. In the mid-19th century, Walhausen, 
taught that the Pentateuch was the product of many sources, claimed that Isaiah was the work of two authors, not one, and relegated the book of Daniel to a much later date than that accepted by evangelicals. According to these men, Christ was a man who died a martyr's death, and one need only follow his example to be saved. Ministers who were trained in German philosophy, evolution, and biblical criticism introduced these ideas to the laity in the pew. In 1880, it was clear that theological liberalism was opposed to Reformation theology and orthodoxy. Evangelical forces opposed liberalism. The Hodges, Benjamin Warfield, in the late 19th century, and later J. Gresham Mason defended inerrancy in the original documents. Premillennialism came out of the Plymouth Brethren teaching and was advocated in Bible institutes and by men like D. L. Moody, R. A. Torrey. Evolution was strongly opposed by W. B. Riley and William Jennings Bryan. Two forces in the religion were locked in a conflict that became more acute from 1919 to 1929. Holiness groups and the tradition of Wesley opposed liberalism. Heading C. Tension from New Liberalism between 1881 and 1918. Conservative professors of Princeton Seminary saw that liberalism undermined foundations of biblical authority. A. A. Hodge, 1823-86, and Benjamin Breckinridge Warfield, collaborated on an article on inspiration in the Presbyterian Review in 1881. They defended plenary and verbal inspiration of an inerrancy in the original autographs, so that the Bible was an infallible rule of faith and practice. They were supported by Francis L. Patton, professors and later president of Princeton University, and by A.T. Robertson, a professor of Southern Baptist Seminary and the greatest Greek scholar of his day. He wrote a grammar of Greek New Testament in the light of the historical research in 1914, a work that has not been superseded. Bible conferences, prophetic conferences, and conservative literature taught inerrancy. Bible scholars and colleges taught it to students who took it to the churches. A careful study of the early church fathers reveals their advocacy for a premillennial coming of Christ and a millennium with Israel under Christ on earth. In the 19th century, these ideas were revived by many English evangelicals. Lord Shaftesbury, the great social reformer, worked to help Jews get back to Palestine and looked for Christ's second coming. Dwight L. Moody preached a premillennial coming. The dispensational aspect was developed by J.N. Darby and set forth in the Schofield Bible, which sold over 5 million copies from 1909 to 1967. Evangelicals often cooperated in Bible conferences beginning in 1875. These conferences organized to study the Bible and prophecy were held at Niagara on the Lake, New York, from 1883 to 1898. The so-called five points of fundamentalism were linked with the 1878 conference, but the statement at that conference had 14 points, composed by a Presbyterian minister, James H. Brooks. The premillennialism in the conferences was linked to dispensationalism by John Nelson Darby, who preached these ideas on his seven trips to the United States and Canada from 1859 to 1874. 
He said that Christ would come for his church before the Great Tribulation, and that the Jewish Millennial Kingdom would be set up on earth after the completion of the Tribulation. William E. Blackstone, in his popular Jesus is Coming, 1908, and C.I. Schofield in his Schofield Bible in 1909, popularized these ideas as well as inerrancy. Inerrancy and premillennialism were teachings opposed to the liberal view of the Bible. Liberals joined in founding the Federal Council of Churches in 1908 with only a social creed. Jean M. Schmidt depicts accurately the rise of the oppressing forces of liberalism and evangelicalism in her book, Salvation of Souls or the Social Order, in 1992. This division became clear in 1912 when liberals set up a commission on evangelism in the Federal Council. Heading D. Conflict between liberals and evangelicals between 1919 and 1929. Graduates of Bible schools for laymen became, as Moody put it, gap men, who knew the Bible and were able as lay helpers to stand between those in the pew and the seminary-trained ministers. With the Bible as the main textbook, they upheld inerrancy and premillennialism. A.B. Simpson began Nyack Missionary in college in 1882 in New York City as the missionary training school of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Moody Bible Institute began in 1886 with evening classes and in 1889 began its yearly cycle of training. This evangelical educational institution has produced over 6,100 missionaries. Toronto Bible Institute was organized in 1894, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles in 1908, the Prairie Bible Institute in Canada in 1922. These pioneers were joined by approximately 200 other schools, most begun after 1945. The Bible was the core of the curriculum in these schools. Cyrus I. Schofield, 1843-1921, founded the Central American Mission, now known as CAM, in 1890, and popularized dispensational premillennialism in the footnotes of his Schofield Bible, which was published in 1909, with the generous help of influential businessmen. This Bible has been widely used by the laity, and is the unofficial text of the Bible in many of the Bible schools. It was revised by an evangelical committee in 1967. A sermon in August 1909 by A.C. Dixon led the wealthy oil men of Lyman and Milton Stewart to give about $200,000 to publish the fundamentals. This 12-volume set included articles both by denominational and non-denominational evangelicals on both sides of the Atlantic. Amzie C. Dixon, 1854-1925, was editor, and James Orr, B.B. Warfield, M.G. Kyle, R.A. Torrey, C.I. Schofield, and many other evangelical scholars contributed to articles, all of which helped to disseminate evangelical ideas. The first volume came out in 1910, and by 1915 the twelfth volume appeared. About 300,000 copies of each volume were sent free of charge to seminary professors and students, pastors, and YMCA secretaries in the United States. Canada and Great Britain, W.E. Blackstone's Jesus is Coming, and periodicals such as the Sunday School Times, Moody Monthly, and the Christian Herald helped to promote the ideas of the early evangelicals' circulation rapidly increased. J. Gresham Masons, 1881-1937 Scholarly 
Origin of Paul's Religion in 1921 and his Virgin Birth of Christ in 1930, ably met liberal challenges to these doctrines. In his popular Christianity and Religion, 1923, and scholarly books, he asserted that liberalism and evangelicalism were opposing religions. Liberalism was a new religion of humanity and progress. Robert Dick Wilson and other archaeologists defended the Bible as true to history, as evidenced by new archaeological discoveries. Bitter opposition to the teaching of evolution in public schools brought about the Scopes trial in 1925 in Dayton, Tennessee. William Jennings Bryan was the prosecuting lawyer, and Clarence Darrow defended John T. Scopes. Scopes lost the case, and several Southern legislatures passed laws banning the teaching of evolution in public schools. Evolution was opposed to creationism, was brought to public attention. Fundamentalists fought what they thought and felt was error in theology and in science. Mark Matthews of the First Presbyterian Church in Seattle and Clarence E. McCartney in Pittsburgh built up large evangelical denominational churches. They strongly opposed liberalism. Heading E. Advance of Liberalism Liberalism won out in mainline churches in 1929 and 1945, in spite of books, sermons, Bible schools, and colleges. Evangelicals either left voluntarily or were forced out in church trials. They created new denominations, Christian elementary and high schools, more Bible schools, colleges, seminaries, and other institutions. Fundamentalists such as W.B. Riley, John B. Straton, and Calvary Baptist Church in New York, Henry or Harry A. Ironside, and T.T. Shields of Toronto opposed liberalism and especially Riley evolution. Non-denominational colleges were founded by evangelicals. Wheaton College in 1860 was joined by Bob Jones University in 1926 and Columbia Bible College in 1923. Dallas Seminary was founded by Lewis Berry Chafer in 1871 to 1952. In 1924 was the college founded and became a center of dispensational premillennialism. Schaefer wrote a multi-volume systematic theology from 1947 to 48, setting forth dispensational premillennial thought, and J. Oliver Buswell, Buswell developed a similar but more reformed theology. More militant evangelicals supported the evangelical cause both in civil and church courts. They responded to Baptist Harry Emerson Fosdick's sermon, Shall the Fundamentalist Win? by action in the General Assembly of the Presbyterian of the Presbyterian Church USA to force him to leave the Presbyterian Church of which he was the the guest minister he became a popular liberal preacher in the Riverside Church in New York City a church that John D Rockefeller helped to build the tables were turned in the 1930s when some evangelical preachers J Gresham Mason and J Oliver Buswell president of Wheaton College, were put on trial in church courts in 1936 and forced out of their denominations. Those who were forced out of their liberal denominations formed new denominations and educational institutions. J. Gresham Mason helped in 1936 to organize the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, having earlier helped to found Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, where Cornelius Van Til and Edward Young did scholarly work. Carl McIntyre broke with Mason in 1937 and organized the Bible Presbyterian Church and later Faith Seminary along premillennial lines. 
later defectors from McIntyre's group, founded Covenant Seminary. Baptists broke with their liberal denomination to create the General Association of Regular Baptists in 1932 and the Conservative Baptist Association in 1947. Heading F. Decline of Liberalism. From 1945 to 1995, liberal denominations declined in numbers, in sending missionaries abroad, and in giving, whereas evangelical groups grew in these areas and were increasingly recognized as a force in society. They united on basic doctrines, though there was diversity on some doctrinal points, and organizational structure. The period in the wilderness from 1930 to 1945 was marked by new institutions and denominations. Christian elementary and high schools were founded by Lutherans and Evangelicals to safeguard their children doctrinally and ethically. One estimate put 5 million children in private schools in 1991. Of these, 4,250,000 were in religious schools, more than half of the Roman Catholic Church. By 1995, there were about 5,200,000 pupils in over 17,000 parochial and independent religious schools. Although there has been a slight slowdown in liberal mainline decline, most still hold critical views of the Bible and endorse political and social activism. The reforming groups in mainline churches and the struggle for inerrancy in the former Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod and the Southern Baptist Convention are encouraging signs of a return to orthodoxy. Roman numeral 2. Evangelical Theological Unity in organizational diversity. Many streams of evangelicals emerged from this background. The spectrum ranged from the Pentecostal charismatic third wave movements, which stress healing, signs and wonders, and other gifts of the Holy Spirit, to evangelicals for social action and the evangelicals' women's caucus. Most of these who were characterized as evangelicals hold certain ideas in common. They believe the scriptures are the inspired infallible rule of faith and practice. They believe in human depravity because of a historic fall and original sin. They assert vigorously Christ's deity, virgin birth, vicarious atonement, and resurrection. A new birth and a life of righteousness became a reality through faith in Christ. Although they have insisted on the priority of the proclamation of the gospel, they have often been in the vanguard of social action in America. They have opposed biblical criticism, evolution, and the social gospel as taught by liberals of the past. Evangelicalism as a rich mosaic of groups in general agreement on basic basic biblical truths but diverse concerning such things as tongues, a second work of sanctification resulting in perfection, the mode of baptism, dispensationalism, and premillennialism. Heading A. Fundamentalism. With this general background in mind, one can consider in some detail the various strands in the evangelical complex. The evangelical mainstream has been characterized generally by adherence to the Reformation consensus, inerrancy, special creation, and usually premillennialism. During the first half of the 20th century, this mainstream and fundamentalism were virtually synonymous. There were exceptions, as in the form in some Dutch Reformed denominations, where intellectual and social concerns remained strong along with theological orthodoxy. Curtis L. Laws, 1868-1946, editor of the Baptist Watchman Examiner, used the term fundamentalist 
in the magazines July 1st, 1920 issue uh, to refer to separationists who rejected liberalism and embraced evangelical teachings. Only later did fundamentalism become a pejorative term suggesting an antisocial and anti-intellectual attitude toward culture. Bob Jones Sr., 1883 to 1896, excuse me, 1968, founded the strict separationist Bob Jones University in 1926 and opposed such men as Billy Graham. Carl McIntyre was supposed was suspended from the Presbyterian Church in 1935. McIntyre helped organize the Orthodox Presbyterian Church the following year, but left that group for the stricter Bible Presbyterian Church. He founded the American Council of Christian Churches in 1941 to oppose liberalism. That group later also opposed the NAE. He internationalized his separatism when he founded the International Council of Christian Churches at Amsterdam in 1948. John R. Rice opposed both liberals and evangelicals in his magazine, The Sword of the Lord, the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches and Bible Presbyterians were denominations of a closed fundamentalism. Since World War II, fundamentalists have moderated their strict separatism and have become more open to working with other evangelicals. M.G. or Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, and Beverly LaHaye represent this more open fundamentalist stance. Pat Robertson has influenced evangelicals to be active on behalf of moral values in political affairs through his Christian broadcasting network of radio and television stations. His Christian Coalition and Regent University with Graduate Schools in Communications, Law, and Education. Beverly LaHaye's Concerned for Women for America claim 1,200 prayer groups, 600,000 people on its mailing list, and the, they oppose both abortion and homosexuality. Jerry Falwell organized his Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia in 1956. He had more than 15,000 members in the 1980s. His old-time gospel hour has given him national recognition and hearing. Liberty College, founded in 1971, had grown to 6,800 students in 1988. From 1979 to 89, his moral majority movement enlisted evangelicals to exert a Christian influence on society. This work is carried on in the 1990s by Pat Robertson, Christians, Pat Robertson's Christian coalition with nearly 1.5 million members. Heading B, the evangelical mainstream. During the high tide of fundamentalism, many evangelicals had been trained in Bible schools, so-called because the Bible, and not the traditional liberal arts studies, formed the core of their curriculum. After World War II, a new spirit of intellectual inquiry and scholarship emerged that helped to change the role of evangelicals in American society. On the one hand, this meant that an accrediting organization was set up in 1947, renamed in 1973 as the American Association of Bible Colleges, to support the Bible College movement, which at its peak could boast 200 schools and more than 30,000 students. On the other hand, many Bible schools, such as Gordon and Biola, changed into four-year colleges of liberal arts and sciences, fully accredited by public agencies. Bible colleges remain a primary source of missionaries for missionary societies. At the 
At the same time, they and other educational institutions, periodicals, journals, and parachurch agencies have collectively raised the level of culture for evangelicals in the late 20th century. The Evangelical Theological Society began in 1949 and upholds inerrancy. This pattern continued with the International Council for Biblical Inerrancy set up in 1977. Harold Lindzell, in his Battle for the Bible in 1976, and The Battle in the Balance in 1977, Carl F. H. Henry and Kenneth Cancer upheld the same concept in lectures and books. Carl Henry, a former newspaper reporter and a faculty member of Fuller Seminary in 1947 and 56, was the editor of Christianity Today from 1956 to 1968. The periodical had 40,000 paid subscribers in 1956 and approximately 150,000 in 1967. His title, excuse me, his little book, The Uneasy Conscience of Modern Fundamentalism, awakened evangelicals to participate constructively in social reform. His main work, God's Revelation and Authority, in six volumes, upheld inerrancy. Edward T. Young, in Old Testament, Carl F. H. Henry in Theology, Cornelius Van Til in Apologetics, and Gordon Clark in Philosophy are examples of the many who set the tone for the writing of scholarly works that are also evangelical. W. M. B. Erdsman's Publishing Company, Zondervan Publishing Company, Baker Bookhouse, Channel Press, Word Books, Tyndale Press, and Moody Press publish scholarly works as well as more popular literature that are sold widely in over 3,000 evangelical bookstores that belong to the Christian Booksellers Association of 1950. Evangelicals are also producing literature for both the layman and the scholarly specialist. Christianity Today, with 150,000 paid subscribers in 1967, Moody Monthly, with about 300,000 subscriptions, and United Evangelical Action, are all widely read by lay and ordained Christian workers. Biblioteca Sacra, or Sacra, the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society, Perspectives on Science and Christian Faith, the Journal of the American Scientific Affiliation, and Fides et Historia of the Conference of the Faith of the History are examples of scholarly periodicals appearing, appealing to different segments of evangelical scholarship. Evangelicals have also cooperated in the translating and producing of new versions of the Bible that have, set, that have met with wide acceptance. Nearly 20 million copies of Kenneth Taylor's Living Bible, in part or whole a paraphrase in contemporary prose, have been sold. The New American Standard Bible is an accurate translation, incorporating the best results of biblical scholarship. The New International Version has replaced the King James Version in popular use. New evangelical seminaries have emerged. Gordon Conwell Seminary, Fuller Seminary, and Trinity Seminary have large enrollments. Charles E. Fuller, speaker on the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, and Harold J. Ockenga, pastor of Park Street Church, founded Fuller Seminary in 1947 with a faculty committed to the inerrancy and premillennialism. These, along with Dallas Theological Seminary, are among the largest in North America. Westminster Seminary, Denver Seminary, Northern Baptist Seminary, and Eastern Baptist Seminary were founded to train ministers for conservatives breaking with their denominations. Organized mass urban professional crusades in large arenas by Billy Graham and Louis Palou 
continue the pattern set up by D.L. Moody, R.A. Torrey, and Billy Sunday. Graham's career was launched nationally in 1949, tent campaign in Los Angeles, when the Hearst chain of papers brought him national attention. His Herringay Arena crusade in London in 1945 lasted over 12 weeks, with 38,000 decisions. In the 1957 New York Crusade, which was held in the summer, 2.3 million attended and 61,000 made decisions. Over 3 million attended his five-day crusade in Seoul, Korea in 1973. The the global mission of mid-March in 1995, which was dispatched by satellite from San Juan, Puerto Rico, for five nights reached 10 million people in 116 different languages and 185 countries and resulted in approximately 1 million decisions. Later, national television programs and videos will extend the number to over 1 billion. Graham's Hour of Decision program on TV since 1950 extended his evangelistic outreach along with the feature-length films produced by his organization. He has avoided the taint of commercialism by carefully financed careful financial accounting, and receiving only monthly salaries for himself and his colleagues. In all, by 1994, he had spoke face-to-face with with well over 100 million people with nearly 3 million decisions. Millions more have benefited from by his ministries through radio, television, and moving pictures. I'd like to take a pause in the reading at this point. Uh, several bits of information has caused pause in my heart and mind, and I think it should with you as well. Be sure to be diving more deeply into these things. This book is obviously outdated in the sense that I think it was printed or published um, prior to 2020. Uh, the book that we are reading, now that we're in chapter 41, I'd like to give you the date that it was published Uh, 1996 is the date of this edition. These men have since gone on to be with the Lord. And Billy Graham has made some serious mistakes in his ministry. And I suggest that you research those things on your own. Um, Much has come into light since 1996. We resume the reading now. Graham also supported the World Congress on Evangelism, sponsored by Christianity Today. In the fall of 1996, about 1,200 evangelicals from all parts of the world, all parts of the world, met to discuss and pray concerning the task of world evangelism, the relevance, urgency, nature, problems, and techniques of Bible-centered evangelism were considered. Asian evangelicals met in Singapore in 1968 to discuss evangelism in Asia. The largest conference on evangelism was held in Luzane in July 1974 with over 2,400 delegates, of whom one-third came from third-world churches. Delegates represented 150 countries, 135 of them Protestant. The result of Luzane Covenant, signed finally by 2,200, emphasized loyalty to the inspired scriptures as the infallible rule of faith and practice, and also stated, under pressure from the third-world delegates, that social concern and action were a relevant part of the gospel. The consultation on world evangelization with 600 participants and 300 others from 87 countries at Pattaya, Thailand in June 1980, discussed by the present situation, discussed but the present situation concerning evangelism in various lands and techniques to reach 3 billion non-Christians with the gospel. 
Graham had helped. Graham held helpful conferences in Amsterdam for 3,900 evangelists from all over the world in 1983 and from 8,200 evangelists out of the 43,000 evangelists listed on his computer in 1986. The evangelists, the evangelist is noted for his humility and forcefulness in preaching. In Chattanooga in 1953, he also released the ropes separating blacks and whites for the first time to integrate his crusades. Louis Palau ranks highly as an evangelist. He has held many successful crusades in South America, Asia, and Europe, as well as North America. He is now working more in American cities. The National Association of Evangelicals, or NAE, came on the religious scene in 1942. It had a doctrinal statement of faith which attracted over 5 million evangelical members. It serves evangelicals with its different commissions and reaches many more than more rigid American Council of Christian Churches. In 1990, its constituency numbered over over 15 million, compared to 48 million in the World Council of Churches. Its Its Office of Public Affairs, 1943, represents evangelicals in Washington and presents their viewpoint to government. Pentecostals, Pentecostal denominations, accepted the invitation to join NAE in 1942. Talks with the National Black Evangelical Association that began in, 19, that began in January 1995 may well lead to a merger between NAE and the NBEA. Heading C. The Neo-Evangelicals. Two movements that continue to exert influence on the evangelical mainstream long after their names have faded away are neo-evangelicalism and the Jesus people. Neo-evangelicalism is best expressed in Fuller Seminary, which was founded in 1947 with a mainstream faculty loyal to biblical inerrancy and premillennialism. Okinga, pastor of Park Street Church in Boston from 1931, coined the term neo-evangelical and his inaugural address as the first president of Fuller on October 1, 1947. Younger New Evangelicals, or Neo-Evangelicals, raised questions concerning verbal inspiration and inerrancy and believed that the Bible, biblical criticism, can be used profitably. See the example, Jack Rogers in Biblical Authority, Word, 1977. This viewpoint became evident in as early as 1966 during the Wenham Conference, on inspiration at Gordon College. Harold Lindsdale, in his Battle for the Bible, 1976, and its sequel, The Bible and the Balance, 1979, opposed this tendency in favor of declaring the Bible to be verbally inspired and inerrant. Neo-evangelicals differ with those in the mainstream on how far evangelicals should engage in dialogue with liberal and neo-orthodox ecumenical groups, on the nature of an extent of social action by evangelicals, and on whether any form of evolution can be reconciled with creationism. The younger faculty of the 60s raised questions concerning inerrancy and premillennialism. They agreed that the Bible was inerrant for faith and life, but using biblical criticism, they held to the possibility of error in history, geography, and the numbers. These men were led by David Hubbard and became president in 1963. And Daniel Fuller, son of Charles E. Fuller, the seminary dropped inerrancy and premillennialism 
in a new doctrinal statement in 1972. The older conservative faculty left for other fields. Fuller has become one of the large, largest North American seminaries with schools of theology, psychology, and world missions. It represents a large constituency somewhat to the left of the evangelical mainstream. Heading D. The Jesus People. The Jesus people came out of a counterculture of drugs, free love, anti-intellectualism, and casual dress. It began in the 1960s in the Haight-Asbury area of San Francisco. Christian coffee houses and communes attracted the youth more than the churches. Many of them adopted communal patterns of living, stressed love, aggressively witnessed to Christ on the street, and earnestly studied their Bibles. The movement was strongest on the West Coast, especially in California. Even so, a rally in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, as late as 1975, drew a crowd of 30,000. The enthusiasm of the Jesus people was refreshing, but many in the movement lacked sound doctrinal teaching. Many of them found a welcoming church home in Chuck Smith's Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, which which now ministers to around 25,000 people each week. Others eventually found their way to established congregations where they helped to foster contemporary worship styles. Still others identified with the burgeoning charismatic movement. Heading E. The Pentecostal Charismatic Third Wave Groups Justification and ecclesiology were a major concern to leaders of the Reformation. The authority of Scripture, the second coming with related tribulation and millennium, and the work of the Holy Spirit in the believers seem to be 20th century issues. The classic Pentecostal denominations have involved 20th century issues. <clears throat> the, classic, the classic Pentecostal denominations have involved the urban and rural poor lower middle class since 1901, while the charismatic movement has been active in Roman Catholic and mainline Protestant suburban churches since the 60s. <clears throat> These two groups, together with the third wave, have given prominence to the work of the Holy Spirit. While the baptism of the Holy Spirit with tongues, as evidence is emphasized in the traditional Pentecostal groups, the newer third wave movement stresses signs and wonders, and gifts such as prophecy and healing, primarily through independent churches and organizations that emerged in the 1980s. Estimates of the total numbers involved in the three waves in the world range from Patrick Johnston's 168 million in 1988 to C.P. Wagner's 268 million in 1985 and David Barrett's 332 million in 1988. Figures in annual national yearbooks are more conservative. They are mainly in urban areas of the world and include more women than men and poorer people. Both the classical Pentecostal churches and the new charismatics and the denominations from a large part of of what Henry P. Van Dusen described as the third force. They increasingly, increasingly cooperate with other evangelicals and parachurch activities while stressing the role of the Holy Spirit in individual life. Heading 1. Number 1. The Pentecostals emphasized speaking in tongues according to the experience of the early church as evidence in baptism of the Holy Spirit. They drew their membership from Wesleyan holiness churches and in many cases from reform groups when they began. Perhaps the opening of Charles Parnham's Bethel Bible College in Topeka, Kansas in October 1900 began this movement. 
In January 1, 1901, students were studying the work of the Holy Spirit in Acts, and one student, Agnes Osman, asked others to lay hands on her so that she would receive the Holy Spirit. She spoke in tongues, and later other students also spoke in tongues. Parnham opened another school in 1905 in Houston, Texas, and William Seymour, a black student, later became the leader of a mission in, at 312 Azusa Street in Los Angeles in 1906. It was, an inter it was an interracial mission with black leadership and many black members. Black Pentecostals, who were prominent in the early days, formed their own denominations. Charles H. Mason's Church of God in Christ had about 6.5 million members in 1994, making it the largest Pentecostal body in America. Speaking in tongues became common in the mission. People who came to visit had similar experiences and carried the message of other to other countries. The present Assemblies of God was founded in 1914 in Arkansas. A civilian group, insisting on baptism in Jesus' name only, broke off from what became known as the smaller Jesus-only church of the New Issue Church. The worldwide membership of the Assemblies of God was about 24 million in 1990, with over a third of them in Brazil, and 2.2 million in the United States. Each Pentecostal is, to some extent, involved in every member evangelism. Amy Simple McPherson, a comely, colorful Canadian evangelist, opened her 5,300-seat Angelus Temple in Los Angeles in 1923 and developed her own radio station in 1924. Members and adherents of her group number about 1.7 million worldwide. She emphasized a four-square gospel of salvation. Christ's second coming, healing, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit with tongues as evidence. Andrew H. Argue, a Canadian businessman, began what became a large church in Winnipeg after his baptism in the Spirit in William H. Durham's Chicago Pentecostal Church. James Hebden began the earliest Pentecostal church in Toronto, and C.E. Baker opened one in Montreal. In 1919, the churches helped set up the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, which was linked with the Assemblies of God until 1925. The leaning to the Reformed faith of the Canadian Assemblies is due to the influence of J. Eustace Purdy, an Anglican, the Anglican clergyman who for 25 years was the principal of their main Bible school. Thomas Barrett received the baptism of the Holy Spirit during a trip to New York in the fall of 1906 to raise money for his mission in Oslo. He helped Louis Pethrus of Sweden, Alexander Bode of England, and Jonathan Paul of Germany to have similar experiences. They found, founded Pentecostal churches in their countries, Pentecostals in Chile as the result of the work of the Methodist Willis Hoover, make up 80% of all Chilean Protestants. Scandinavian and Italian-Americans carried their message to Brazil, where Pentecostals now number over 4 million. Pentecostals began, worldwide a, Pentecostals began worldwide cooperation with their first world conference at Zurich in 1947. The earlier healing meetings of John Dowie and Charles A. Price from World War I to World War II were eclipsed by the healing ministries, ministry of the mystical William Branham and Catherine Kuhlman who ministered in healing in Denver, Pittsburgh, and Los Angeles. Oral Roberts carried on a similar work of healing and built the university named after him. This helped to popularize the Pentecostal movement. 
Pentecostals were ostracized until 1942 by mainline liberals and even evangelicals. Thus, they formed their own denominations. Henry P. Van Dusen called the movement, quote, the third force in Christendom, end quote, in the June 9, 1958 issue of Life magazine. In 1988, estimates of the number of Pentecostals in the world varied from 43 million to 176 million. Since becoming a part of the NAE in 1942, American Pentecostals increasingly cooperate with other evangelicals in parachurch activities while holding to their own distinctive ideas of the miraculous work of the Spirit. Number two, those in Pentecostal denominations were uncertain at, how, at first how to deal with the charismatics in the mainline churches who spoke in tongues from the 1950s, but who laid greater emphasis on healings. Dennis Bennett, an Episcopal clergyman in Van Nuys, California, in 1959, spoke in tongues and went public with it in April 1960. He was transferred to a small mission in Seattle. Jean Stone Williams publicized the teaching concerning speaking in tongues in her magazine, Trinity. Larry Christensen in the Lutheran Church, Harold Bredesen in the Dutch Reformed Church, James Brown in the Presbyterian Church, Bennett and Richard Wickler, Winkler, in the Episcopal Church, led many in seeking the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. The Anglican cleric, Michael Harper, spread the message in England through the Fountain Trust. Their followers were mainly affluent, upper-middle-class people who remained in their churches. The Roman Catholic Charismatic Movement first emerged in a student-faculty retreat in 1967 at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Word of, this spread, word of this spread to Notre Dame University, and many faculty members and students spoke in tongues. When 10,000 met in Rome in 1975, Pope Paul spoke appreciatively to the assemblage. Cardinal Leo Sunins of Belgium in, is their major figure. In 1976, about 30,000 charismatic Roman Catholics met at Notre Dame University for a conference to consider their growing power in the church. Most charismatics have remained in their own denominations, and the Full Gospel Business, Men's Fellowship International, organized in 1951 by Demas Shakarian, a wealthy dairyman in Los Angeles, they grew to 300,000 in 1972 and helped to popularize the spread of the charismatic message in the mainline churches in their noon lunch meetings of businessmen. Mr. Pentecostal David Duplessis of South Africa who cooperated with ecumenical leaders, influenced the World Council of Churches leaders. There is diversity in the message of charismatics, as with those who are part of the Word of Faith positive confession movement. Kenneth Hagen and Kenneth Copeland teach that health and wealth come through faith to the born again. Hagen was influenced by Essek A. Kenyon, who used new thought to create positive attitudes in order to have health and wealth. Hagen has published 3.5 million copies of books and tapes, and about 10,000 people have gone through his Rhema Bible training since its beginning in 1971. Kenneth Copeland was greatly influenced by Hagen and has used the media of television since 1979. Both men have had large television audiences, and both have emphasized 3, 3 John verse 2 as their main scripture. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. End quote. 
Charismatics are usually aggressively evangelistic. They are usually middle-class, non-separatist, urban, ecumenically-minded, and theologically pluralistic in outlook. Classic Pentecostal churches originally were more often made up of workers meeting in storefront churches and were noisier in worship. They are fundamentalists in theology and aggressively evangelistic. Estimates of Protestant and Roman Catholic charismatics in the world range from a low of over 65 million to a high of 123 million. Number three, the so-called third wave, a, a term coined by C. Peter Wagner in 1983, includes those who do not care to link with the Pentecostal charismatics. They emphasize the work of the Holy Spirit in healing, casting out demons, prophecy, and the work of signs and wonders. They often link the Holy Spirit baptism with knowledge and signs and wonders. They often join independent churches. Estimates of the total number of third-wave adherents in the world in 1988 vary from nearly 10 million to over 28 million. Most of them are in independent megachurches or lose association or loose associations of churches. John Wimber went to Fuller Seminary in 1975 at the invitation of C. Peter Wagner to organize its Institute of Evangelism and Church Growth. In his controversial course, MC 510, The Miraculous and Church Growth, each class consists of lectures and a subsequent period of healing and signs and wonders, a strategy that Wimber developed from George Ladd's idea that the kingdom of God has come to free people from Satan and demons by these means. Wimber's Anaheim Christian Fellowship grew to over 5,000 members, he held seminars and de demonstrations all over the United States, Britain, and Europe on signs and wonders. There are now 325 churches, with 200,000 members mostly in the United States. In the Vineyard Christian Fellowship, which Wimber founded in 1986, the 20th century Pentecostal charismatic third wave movement emphasizing the spiritual phases of the work of the Holy Spirit and its sheer numbers in the world is a most significant development affecting the other denominations that studied it. The meeting in July 1977 in Kansas City, Missouri, brought these three strands together for the first time and revealed their unity concerning the Holy Spirit. The Presbyterian Church USA had a committee that did the, an extensive report on it some with some approval. This movement brought attention to the church's neglect of the personal person and work of the Holy Spirit. One should bear in mind that while there have been genuine manifestations of the Spirit in churches, there is also a danger that some might be merely psychological or even demonic. Adherence to these movements all tend to be more experiential than theological in their approach to faith and life. We will pause this chapter at this point.